Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. As we come into this place every night and morning as well, we're going to be exploring this theme of, of, of beauty from ashes and, and, and to help us kind of navigate through that theme and what that means as we search through the scriptures and, and sing and worship and, and, and watch some, some drawings and some paintings and some dramas and stuff. Um, I want to in- introduce you guys to our speaker this weekend. He hails from a little place called Lynchburg, Virginia. Anybody know about Lynchburg, Virginia? Man, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. He's about yay tall. He looks like that guy over there. Y'all say hello to Rich Brown now. What's up? Rich, thanks for being here, man. Let's just, go. Just like we practice. Woohoo! All right. Don't do that. You know, they put me on at like 1030 or whatever at night. Y'all been in school all week, right? Yeah. I said the magic word, didn't I? School. <laughs> Who traveled the farthest here? Look, you're already yawning. I see that. I'm with you. I feel your pain. Who traveled more than four hours to get here? I did. Okay. You did? Where are you from? You came from Newark? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? You Jets or Giants? Oh, you go for the Eagles? All right. Well, my name is Rich. Say hi, Rich. How you doing? You guys, I grew up in New York, but not that area of New York. I grew up near the Qs, a long ways from here, where it snows. Let's go orange, right? Where it snows, like in August. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so here's the deal. Um, I'm probably the oldest person here in the room, and it's really hitting me. Like, wow. Uh, as I've been working with students since I was 20, that's been 35 years. Do the math. I, when I turned 55 this last February, I realized I had become a speed limit. My goal is to become a speed limit in Montana. That's 70, or hopefully even more than that. But here's the deal. My wife's name is Janet. What's her name? Janet. What's her name? Janet. Janet. We've been married, get this, 33.5 years. All right? During our 25th anniversary, we finally, I finally got around to doing a really good honeymoon because we were like, we were like poor cows kids, you know, back in the day. So uh, we did a super cheap, not K-Way campground, but that idea. So we... We're college students, right? So we did it super cheap, and 25 years later, I finally took her to St. John's Virgin Islands. Beautiful place, okay? Uh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful place. So here's the kick. While we're there, <laughs> we're celebrating 25th anniversary, and this woman says, I've been married 35 years, and she started adding up the different marriages. Uh, it just doesn't seem the same. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> you do you, right? So here's the deal. I have a few loves in my life. I have many loves in my life. My wife is one. My mother, my mother-in-law, to take your choice, right? I love them both, yeah. I have three kids. They're not kids anymore. They're like big, okay? So my oldest is named Rich. I am a junior. We named my kid Rich the third, so we call him RB3, okay? Rich Brown the third, so RB3. Sounds like a Obi-Wan Kenobi or something, right? So <laughs> Star Wars throwback. So here's the deal. He's 30, and he's now a student pastor up in Charlottesville at a good church, Presbyterian church up there in Charlottesville. My daughter, I'm going to show you pictures in the morning, okay? But my daughter, she'll be 28 next week, and actually, dude, Monday, what am I talking about? On the 14th. Um, and she just got married this last year at the front. 
And he did the opening ceremony. I said, her mother and I. I kissed her cheek. I took my son-in-law's hand, put it into my daughter's hand, meaning I approve because we love the dude. It's awesome. And get this. Not only did I get to bring her down, then I got to spin around like an old 1960s Motown move and come up and actually do the ceremony. I loved it. It was so cool. And I got my dancing shoes on later. But anyway, so that's the deal. Got my two kids. How you doing? All right. And then my third is 23 years old. He's, he's big. I don't know where he came from. He's, he's us, but I'm just saying. It's like, where did this come from? He's huge. He's a big boy. And I'm going to share a little bit about his story this weekend. Um, he is what I would call my respectful rebel. Um, Ryan never wanted Jesus in his life at all. And I've been a student pastor for like 20 years. In the last 15 years, I've been teaching student ministry at this college called Liberty University. So I've been doing youth ministry, like I said, all these years since I was 20. Um, even right now, I'm our church plan we serve, and I'm a volunteer student pastor. So for those of you adults here that are, you're paid to do this, God bless you. I, I'm on your team. For a lot of you who are volunteers, I now feel your pain because I'm doing my residential job teaching and my online job teaching. And oh, yeah, I got students coming over to my house on Wednesday night. We have a great middle school group. So that's the deal. My son never wanted Jesus. And here I love Jesus. I love my family. I love my son. He sit there in church, probably like some of y'all. You know that drill? Staring at the screen. And it wasn't just to the last few years that he really surrendered his life to Christ. And now, get this, he is graduating with the youth ministry degree that I teach. Because God put in his heart, he wants to be a student pastor. So he's actually graduating this spring in student ministry. He was going to come this weekend, but he had to work. But tell you what, man, it's so cool to see God take beautiful things out of ashes. This is for a reason. I've been just carrying this around because I'm insecure, okay? This is a scroll. You guys see this? Think Old Testament scroll. Just play with me, all right? Here we go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you guys through kind of a big overview like I said, I love God. I, I love the Lord Jesus. I love my family. I have given my entire adult life to taking this book and teaching adolescents what it means to know and love and become like Jesus. That's all I want to do. Ten different opportunities to become the big guy, the senior pastor, turned it down. Not my heart. My heart is adolescence. My heart is for you guys to get it. And I believe this firmly. You can handle this. Who's in high school? Raise your hand. Come on, big time. Raise, raise your hand. You're in high school. Raise your hand. Right? You guys have had trig calculus, all kinds of stuff that I'm there just scratching my head, Okay? So why do I think, if you can understand all that stuff you're getting in high school, why do I think you can't handle some good, awesome, heavy stuff from Scripture? I quite frankly feel that we're going to challenge high school students enough. Middle school, you can learn doctrine. Like I said, we have a bunch of middle schoolers in our church, and I get to lead them on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights at my house. And I'm just absolutely thankfully amazed at the knowledge they have of God's Word. So you guys, we're going to use this. Cool? Let's go ahead and punch it out. Here we go. When we think of beauty for ashes, this is the theme that we have. Um, whoop, whoop, I jumped the gun there. Here we go. 
And Aaron back here, give it up for Aaron. He's the one that came up with a lot of this in taco. They came up with a lot of this theme, right? So I get this. Come on, come on, come on. We also call him around here Sparrow, okay? That's his, his RVR name. But Aaron, matter of fact, former student of mine at Liberty back in the day. And when Aaron put this together and I was reading over it and I was struggling this week, like, Lord, I should have these talks written like weeks ago. And I just, if you guys do sermon preps, any of you or lesson preps, any of you know what I'm talking about, it just wasn't clicking. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. This stuff is fresh out of the oven, like, like fresh. Because I'm like, Lord, I'm not feeling this. I'm not getting it. And it's not him. It's me. I was just, I was, it was blocking. So God, and I was praying in the house the other day. I was like, God, what do these students need? And it was so cool because then it clicks. So what you're getting is not one of these speakers that this is the 85th time they've given it. This is the very first time that I've given this talk because it's right out of the oven. Does that make sense? Okay. So I hear beauty of ashes. And we're going to look at the scripture that Aaron put together for us out of Isaiah 61. And as I see that, I think of ashes and and Aaron, as you were thinking through this, and you and Taco and, and Zig and the team here, when I, I walk a lot, is that okay? Because I think that's always there, like really gets boring quick, and just hang with me and we'll roll, okay? So I'm thinking like ashes, ashes. What is so beautiful that can come out of ashes? What's the point of ashes? Look at that. I mean, what can you make with ashes? And it hit me. Nothing. Now, I'm a burner, Okay. If there's something I like to see, I see, I was like, I got to burn. I got to fire. I just, I'm a man. I like men, fire. Man's first TV was a fire. I, I'm, I'm convinced, okay? Get, come on, you ever gone camping with your dad or your gramps or something, and they're sitting there, I got a stick, and they're just poking at the fire, and no one talks. If their men are together at a campfire, they just stare. I'm telling you, I swear, it was mankind's first television. They just stare at it. And mankind's first TV remote? was the stick. Yeah, that's my theory, and I'm standing with it, okay? So when I'm burning stuff, what I got left? Ashes. What do I do with them? I clean them out. Where do I put them? In my garden beds. No, not in my neighbor's yard, okay? In my garden beds for mulch. That's about it. So when the Bible talks about ashes, it's like, what's the point of that? Think of this. And I think, wow, but you know, with God, check this out. In Genesis, the Bible says that the Lord God, I mean, I'm, I'm the guy that reads the Bible through every year because I just love the word and I do the chronolog chronological Bible, you know? So right now, January, where am I? In Genesis. So here we are, back at the beginning again. And Adam, we call him Adam, but Adam, Adam, made out of the dust of the earth. And this is what hit me this week studying for this, was God takes dirt. It makes a dude. You like that? Dirt to dude, right? Okay. So God takes dirt. It makes a dude, okay? Just like God can take these ashes and make something beautiful. In other words, give it life. Wow, that just, that just kind of struck me like, that's crazy. And I think of this. This weekend, we're going to cover this Isaiah 61, this prophetic passage about this anointed one, this coming Messiah that the people that, that, that Isaiah shared this truth with, they had no idea who this was going to be. Isaiah didn't know who, who it was going to be. 
was 600 years before the time of, I think you know who the Messiah is, right? His name is Jesus, right? Shh, okay, don't give it away. But you got that? So they, this is 600 years before Christ is born. And they're, they're hearing this prophecy given. And this is what we're going to look at tonight. And we're going to take this passage and quickly look through it. And you see this this week, and we're going to see that going to look into the reality of how God can take something so, like, end of the day, like ashes, and make something beautiful. This passage we're going to read in a minute, there are four key areas. And the first of the four we'll hit tonight. See the four key areas? Sovereign Lord. I'm an interactive guy. Just don't look at me. We, we got to talk here, okay? All right. So, you guys, what's the first one? What's it say? Sovereign Lord. Say it again. First one is what? Sovereign Lord. That's the first point. What's the second one, y'all? Comfort in the morning. That's not going to Cracker Barrel and having a whole bunch of biscuits and, and gravy. Not, not that morning. We're talking about M-O-U-R-N, which means you had a bad day. Okay, it's like that. It's like it's a Billy Downer. Comfort going through difficult times. What's the third one? Beauty and ashes. And then the fourth one. Wow. Now, what we're going to do, and I'm just kind of giving you the, what I call the GPS destination. See, I'm telling you what we're going to be doing throughout the weekend before we actually do it. It's kind of like you punch in the destination before you, like I did with my phone to get to RVR. Punched in my destination. I'm doing the same thing with y'all. I'm kind of telling you where we're going this weekend. Does that make sense? And how we're going to get there. So what we're going to do is every session, we're going to take a look at Jesus. And you think, oh, Rich, of course, this is a Christian camp we talk about. Actually, guys, there's a lot of speakers that don't talk a whole lot about Jesus. Kind of, kind of honestly, there's a lot of speakers that talk a whole lot about themselves. And I could get up here and have some fun and talk about me. and So I, I want to talk about Jesus. Is that cool? Yeah. Let's Interaction here, okay, people? Okay, I want to talk about Jesus. Oh, he gave me the AOK side. Okay. All right? We want to talk about Jesus, man. So I want to look like this. We're going to see how Jesus actually worked through these four areas in his life. So I'm going to call it, how did he? Does that make sense? How did Jesus go through these four areas? And then personal application, in other words, how can we? How can we? Can we stand up? We're going to read the word. We're going to read the word. We're going to stand up. Now, this is not speed reading. It's not super slow reading. Kind of a middle of the road, okay? So I'll have the guy with the mic. I'll be the guy with the microphone. I'll kind of run point with this. But let's read the word of God together. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. Ready? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and a release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair." 
They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Before you sit, let's pray. Lord, use this. Use this weekend and use even this tonight. Lord, as I stand among these people that I don't know, Lord, I super humbly ask you to Holy Spirit, be the teacher. We've got sixth graders, seventh graders. We've got seniors in high school. And Lord, that's from an educational perspective, that's a very daunting task is to reach both of those age groups. We've got people here that have followed you for years. We've got people here that probably don't even believe in God. And Lord, that's a very daunting task to try to reach and make sense of this for all these different spiritual levels. So Spirit, please do your work to teach these people. And may I just be humbly the messenger of your truth. And now God's people said, Amen. Have a seat, guys. There's four descriptions that we see. There's four descriptions that we see that the sovereign Lord is trying to reach. These four, let's say, groups. If you're in marketing, it's called target audiences. If you're in communications, radio, TV, it's called your target audience. There's four groups. You read them already. The poor, says the brokenhearted. And what's the next two? Captives and what? Prisoners. Now, when I think poor, I think Pope. We think lack of what? Interesting. Pretty much everyone said the same thing. See, I, got, I work with college students, right? I see them at Starbucks on their iPhone X. I said Starbucks, six-buck coffee, iPhone X, and they say we're poor college kids. And I want to say, have you been to the Dominican? Do you guys see where I'm going with this? While we look at other people and think we don't have what they have, the rest of the world looks at us and goes, wow. So when I think about poor, my first thought was, yeah, I mean, it means those who lack financial resources. But actually, when I read the scripture, Isaiah 61, poor is not talking about finances, you ready? As much as, let me explain. When Isaiah writes this passage, He's talking to the people of Israel, God's covenanted people, whom out of their rebellion, God had to punish, and he allowed the Babylonians to come in, obliterate the nation. Those who weren't killed, children of the royalty, let's say the upper middle class, were taken about 500 so miles away to a place called Babylon. Today, it's the nation of Iran slash Iraq, that area, okay? So for all these years, these people that weren't killed were living over here. They were deported out. Isaiah is writing about when they will return to their homeland. Are you tracking? They, that's why I use the word disconnected. He says, I'm going to speak to you. This, this, this anointed one is going to bring and teach and preach good news to the poor. In other words, those who were disconnected. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. It's when I feel relationally, dis rich people can feel disconnected. Middle of the road, like us, can feel disconnected. 
the poor. Those who were brokenhearted, well, yeah, they've been brokenhearted. They were, if they weren't murdered, they were, most of them, taken out of their nation. So they had a lot of, can we say baggage? They had a lot of hurt. And then you look at the word captive. Well, that makes sense. But then the fourth word, prisoner, don't think prison system. Prisoner in this context, actually, if you know this, the Old Testament was written in what language? Hebrew. Actually, the word for, for um, prisoner is the word, you see I put it there in the parentheses, is the word for what? Blind. In other words, they don't have direction. They're like, um, I know I should be going somewhere. I'm not sure where, man. Does this make some sense, y'all? When I think of these four groups, I think they have two things in common. You see them? Hopeless and helpless. They're helpless and they're hopeless. I don't know about you. I've been there. I was in Myrtle Beach six years ago this summer. First night there, family vacation, had the condo the whole week. Dude, we're on the ocean. I mean, how cool is this? I got a call from my kid sister. She said, we think mom is dead. She's not breathing. Where do I turn? I live in Virginia. I'm in Myrtle Beach. My parents live in the Chicagoland area. Where do I turn? They hadn't legally declared her dead yet. And the only thing I could do was I went to my Bible to have my quiet time with Jesus. Two hours later, my dad called and said, yes, your mother has passed away. Where do I turn? So when you think of these areas, it's not just for those back in the day. All of us are going to go through stuff. Does this make sense? Where we feel hopeless and helpless. What did this anointed servant bring? This anointed servant, this one that the prophet Isaiah said would come, look at this, he would bring us as good news to the poor. I'm a preacher, so I have to have our words all match, you know what I'm saying? So look at this. Good news to the poor. Restoring. Do you know what restoring means? Two friends like kind of had the old issue. They get back together, friends again. Remember these people had left Israel to Babylon. They were coming back home. Does that make sense? He's teaching and preaching good news. He wants to be restoring you. Second one is healing of the brokenhearted. What's that word up there? Huh? Wow. Times of refreshing. You feel brokenhearted. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to refresh you. Freedom to the captives. What's that word? Does that make sense? To release you. So many people are in now we're bondage of all kinds of stuff. Pornography. I mean, opium. You name it. We're in captivity. We're we're like an addict nation. Put my cell phone in the back. Am I getting the shakes yet? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you have that app on your phone that says how much screen time you've used? If it says if it's up or down. Do you guys see where I'm going with this? The idea of addiction, captive, 
to release you. And the last one is sight to the prisoners. What's that word? God wants to reveal what he has for you. See that scripture again? That's the scripture we're looking at this weekend. And those yellow phrases, those are the four sessions we're looking at. See, I'm giving you the GPS. Does this make sense? This is where we're going this weekend. To proclaim the, Lord, the, the, uh, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Okay, I had to do an Avengers. You guys fans? Okay. This is part of God that sometimes in our culture today we think, oh, that's kind of harsh. God's a vengeance God. Well, yeah. I mean, the nation we're living in is people are screaming out for justice. If you do me wrong, I want justice. But those same people, when they look at church people, they go, well, your God is like a harsh God. God's just trying to bring justice. These people have been taken prisoner. He was trying to bring justice. Does that make sense? If I committed a crime against you and law enforcement looks the other way, that's not justice. If I commit a crime against you and law enforcement does their job, but then the penal system lets down and doesn't, that's not justice. You guys feeling this? God is a God of justice. Ultimate avenger. To comfort those who mourn. Provide those who grieve in Zion. Now, Zion is another name for a city in, in Israel than the city of what? Jerusalem. That's the, that's the city that got destroyed. He wants to bring comfort to them. And check this out. The word crown in the Hebrew is not like we think King Arthur and his crown. It's actually a turban. So there was like, it's like y'all wearing your, your fancy lids, okay? You know, do you keep the flat rim? Do you bring it down? You know what I'm talking about? You have to have the hat. See, to this guy, to that culture, their turban was like, kind of like bling, okay? So look at the turban. It says here, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy. Instead of having a filthy and dirty face, you, you clean it up and... And you, you put oil on it. Some of you put essential oils, you know. What's your favorite? Never mind. So anyway, so you put oil on. Okay? So you're getting dressed up. Fancy schmancy, okay? You got the turban thing working for you. You got the oil on. And it says you surround yourself in a garment of what? What's it say? You've heard some worship leaders say that. Lord just gave us a garment. What are they talking about? It's out of this passage. A garment means something you wear. In other words, you surround yourself in worship as opposed to surrounding yourself and being in despair. Does that make sense? This is what this anointed one is going to bring. So the question I got, what can give me beauty and joy and praise instead of ashes and mourning and despair? This anointed one. This anointed one of the sovereign Lord can. That's what this scripture says. That is a tree. Duh. But I want you to find the person in the picture. Do you see the person? From back there, can you see it? That is a seriously big oak tree. I love this. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Here are people who have been politically beaten down. And he says, I'm going to make you strong like an oak tree. 
Do you, see, do you guys see this now? God's going to restore us. He wants to take beauty out of what? That's the right word, out of ashes. So he can have his glory displayed. God wants to take the disconnected, the outsiders, the hurting, the defeated, the confused, and make them new and make them what? Strong. Yeah. Now, first of the four is Spirit of the Sovereign Lord. I'm going to read this passage to you. It's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues. It's kind of like church like we think today. He taught in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. They're like, oh, he's the man, okay? He goes to Nazareth, get this, where he had been brought up, his hometown. He goes back to his hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. I underline that. In other words, Jesus wasn't cutting church. As was his custom. So here's his, can I use the phrase, his home church. Now, they didn't call it church back then. They called it the synagogue. But it's that idea. So Jesus goes in to his home, let's say church or synagogue. And when he stood up to read the scripture, because he was the guest rabbi, the guest speaker, the rabbi, the minister, the rabbi gave Jesus the scroll of the book of Isaiah. It says it right here. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And he actually looked for that passage of Isaiah 61. And this is what Jesus read. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. It says he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Scripture says the eyes of, there you go, attendant. It's all yours. He sat down, and that's what the rabbi would do. They would stand up to read the word, and they would sit down. Why? Awesome, you ready? Because the authority was the word, what I share is me. I'm not equal to the Bible. Do you guys think like that? Wow, it's pretty cool, huh? So when he sits down, he then explains what he just read. And he says this. Then when he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, he sits down, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue, synagogue were fastened to him. Do this with your hands, your fingers, ready? Person near you, you know? You ever seen that done? I'm locked in on you. Got my eyes on you. Back in the 80s, I mean, the 90s movie, Circle of Trust, okay? You got that? I'm watching you. You guys know what I'm talking about? Everyone's eyes were fixed or fastened on Jesus. And it says this. 
And, they be, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus declared to be that Messiah, anointed one. Wow. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? He's a hometown boy. He came home. Wow. This guy's amazing. Isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. And he says this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Capernaum was another city where Jesus raised a young boy who was almost dead back to health by just speaking the word. It's in John's Gospel, chapter 4. In other words, Jesus is saying, what you guys want to see is y'all want to see a bunch of miracles. You want me to come back and wow you. But Jesus exposes their heart. See this? See, they want miracles. Come on, greatest showman. Do your thing. This is the greatest. Come on. There you go. I won't. I won't sing it if you don't sing it. Look at number seven. However, Jesus does not do a miracle for them. Matter of fact, he then in this text explains about two Old Testament miracles of Elijah and his protege, Elisha, where Jewish people actually did not find healing, but a Gentile person did. What is Jesus doing here? He is saying God wants everyone to come into the kingdom, just not the Jewish people. And they go from loving on him to hating on him in a matter of minutes. Matter of fact, this passage finishes out. They actually take him out to a cliff. You've heard the phrase, throw someone down the stairs or throw someone off the cliff? They physically were going to throw him off the cliff. Verse 30 says this, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. See these? They go from saying, can I get a witness? They're all in on Jesus. Then when he points out that God loves Gentiles as well, that made him uncomfortable. And they're like, we got to get rid of this guy. What does this have to do with sovereign Lord? It's easy. Jesus knew who he was because the sovereign Lord made Jesus the anointed one. And Jesus had confidence in his sovereign Lord. See, sovereign means in control. So how can we, how can we apply this? Look at these few things. Maybe you're here and you identify with being disconnected or brokenhearted or, or addicted or even without direction. Another question I have is, do you see that Christ came to be our defense, our advocate, and bring us new life? Number three, look at that. Do you need a reminder to trust in God's sovereignty. Jesus did. He knew who he was. God the Son, he trusted in his Father's care. And number four, maybe this whole God thing is kind of weird to you, and it's just not your language and not your culture. 
Or maybe you say, I used to believe, but I don't anymore. Look at the last one. Do you need to be restored to God by that anointed one, Jesus? The big question I have for tonight is this. Do I recognize that it is Christ who makes all things new? And we're going to talk more about that the rest of the weekend. But for right now, do you understand that it is Christ, Jesus, who will make things new? Wow, that's cool. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you told Isaiah to write. People who are discouraged and down and, and make them new. And Lord, I thank you that you gave us Jesus, your son, to show us you, God, to be our Messiah, our rescuer, to be our deliverer, to be our savior, as we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. Lord, I thank you for so many things that we have. And Lord, I pray that wherever anyone is in their journey with the things of you, whether they're already saved and in Jesus or they're not quite sure what salvation is, every one of us would ask you to speak to us this weekend and take a quiet moment right now and just say, God, would you talk to me this weekend? In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.